This is what he's telling these people. You didn't see the sign. What Satan said, do you see these rocks? Can you turn them into bread? The desire for spiritual growth through Christ-mindedness. Insights on biblically inspired faith consciousness and how the virtue of Christ helps us relate to the world around us. Welcome to the Spiritual Renewal Podcast with your host, George Vasquez. Reading from uh, John in the uh, sixth chapter, and we're moving through, and now we're getting to uh, a portion of text here where Jesus is getting into a very important discourse. If you don't know what a discourse is, it's like a talk or a sermon. And so Jesus is giving this sermon here um, just after uh, he was caught walking on water and jumped into the boat. And previously from this, uh, that point in this incident of walking on water, he had been feeding some, uh, some estimates say 25,000, because it says 5,000 men plus women and children. And so he was a, a wonderful and huge miracle where uh, the people saw him as a provider of physical sustenance, bread and fish, were the were the occasion of the miracle it's sometimes uh, we focus on our own personal needs and what we can get from Jesus instead of recognizing him for who he is and uh, part of what this sixth chapter is helping us to understand is that while Jesus does provide for us and scripture clearly says you know uh, he takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of everyone. No one was ever addressed, the scripture says, as well as this wonderful flower, and that was the flower that was dressed by God himself. So God, God's not going to feed you a snake, right, if you're his child. He's not going to give you a rock to eat. All right, he's going to take good care of you, but this is but the, the the premise here in this sixth chapter is that Jesus says, you know what, you guys don't understand. You're only looking at me for what I can provide for you in terms of food. They wanted to catch him. They wanted to make him their king, but they wanted to make him their king because guess what? They wanted another free meal. That's what they were thinking. Christ knew it. And when Christ saw that, it says in verse 15, Therefore Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and to make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. He, tur- he left them. Turned his back on them and left. Well, you know, we recognize that the scripture says that, you know, everything was prophetic and we're looking to this uh, point where Jesus would be the Messiah or the king, the, the one to save the world. And certainly there are those uh, even in this room that knows what it's like to be hungry. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is to have a little something to eat. And what a blessing that is. But that's not the focus. If it, if it was the focus, we would be serving five-star meals every day 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. See, food is something that you indulge yourself with. We're gratifying our own desire by eating. Self-gratification is what it's known as. And uh, we come from a, a period in time before Jesus where that's the only life we knew. Self-gratification. In anything to gratify ourselves and at any expense. Now, Christ comes along and says, I want you to take your uh, perspective and shift it away from the physical world. That's the existential world. Existentialism is the concept of, that we only know what we can uh, see, touch, feel, taste, and hear using our sensory organs. That there's nothing beyond those five senses. But now uh, God has said, you know what? There's more to it. And that's why Jesus turned. Because they were looking at him as an existential king. A king that was going to give them an army. That was going to defend them uh, against the Roman Empire. That was going to build them a kingdom where they'll have lots of food they eat. And so they saw Jesus as that. And in fact, there are a lot of people in churches today, I tell you, they believe that same thing. They have the same mindset that the only reason that the church is there is so that they can gain prosperity. And so they, they go around and say, okay, well, this, Jesus is all about me being prosperous. It's all, Jesus is all about me being healthy. Jesus is all about me being wealthy. Now, that's the kind of crowd that Christ will turn his back on and he will go up to the mountain. And why he goes up to the mountain is to pray for those Poor people that got the wrong look, the wrong perspective. So there's two different perspectives that we can have. There's the one that comes from our viewpoint as a man. I'm a man and I have needs. And you know what? There's a failure to believe there because we're, we're missing the point. That's the first part of where we're going to be picking up our reading starting in around, uh, let's see, we're going to be starting in verse 22. Now follow along with me as we read from John chapter 6, starting with verse 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no boats there except for the, that one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered that boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However... Other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, this is an interesting setup for this particular uh, discourse that Jesus is about to give to, to these people because you'll remember if you go back to verse 21, he walks on water and then in verse 21 he says, and they were willing to receive him into the boat and immediately the boat was uh, at the land where they were going. So there was this teleportation that uh, occurred uh, by a miracle that the boat all of a sudden ended up right where 
they had planned to go foregoing the storm, foregoing everything included. So now, um, here the uh, people, the multitude, have uh, finally arrived in boats, and they're, they're kind of surprised. They're saying they found them on the other side there of the sea, and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? You know, uh, because they got boats from Tiberias, but guess what? They, they didn't want to go out on the water when there was a storm at night, so they waited. They, and they're wondering, well, didn't you wait? Right? This would be the logic behind it. Yeah. Uh, you Surely you waited and you didn't travel at night during that storm. Right. And, and here you are. And we had to wait and, you know, we waited for daylight and for the storm to pass. Because we didn't want to get caught out on the water in the storm. Certainly we could have lost lives there. Amen. Well, of course, um, there was... There's, they didn't really know what had happened. So they're kind of shocked about that. And Jesus is, has this response to them because look, this is what's happened. Not only did they get fed with the, the bread and the fish, but they're still thinking in the same frame of mind that you guys must have rode really hard through that storm at night, you see? They, they didn't recognize the miracle power of Jesus and the fact that what was happening there revolved around Christ himself being the Son of God and not only being the Son of God, but now God manifested in the flesh himself. And then in verse 26, Jesus answers them and says, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Okay, so you got your hollow leg filled up and now that you got your hollow leg filled up and you don't want anymore, and they didn't. There was 12 baskets, do you remember? 12 baskets left over and 12 apostles. And he goes, now that you're all filled up, you didn't catch the signs. You know, and I believe that that's the way it works. God gives us signs. He's giving us signs all the time. And sometimes those signs come in the form of a miracle. And not only that, but the miracle that God gives to us sometimes flies right over our head. We never even see it. And they miss the sign. You see, these people missed the sign. They didn't catch it. It wasn't about being fed, having your hollow leg filled. It wasn't about any of that. It was about something that was bigger, that was bigger than all the multitude, and in fact, bigger than the universe itself. So he goes, you only see in the existential. You're only looking at things because of what you know could happen. You might get some more bread. You might get another free meal out of it. So he says, don't look at it that way. You're missing out because if you look at things existentially, you'll miss the signs. You won't see what's going on. Now, signs are important because what they do, just like John is illustrating and the way he framed the wording in this particular book, everything is pointing to one particular thing. There are signs. The miracles are signs. They're pointing to one particular thing, and that is the belief that is necessary to have in Jesus so that you may that you may have the salvation that God wants to grant you 
believing is everything that is about. In fact, that's one of the key verses in John that helps us to understand the whole purpose for John even writing the book in the first place. He says back, if you flip back in chapter 20, verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. And I believe what John was referring to is not just his gospel, but the entire Bible. And uh, he goes on in verse 31, he says, but these are written that you may believe. So the whole purpose of the miracles even being written is that you may believe, not believe just anything, but believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That's the purpose. And Jesus is looking at these people squarely in the eye and He's saying, you didn't see the signs. That means that you're not believing. That means that if you're not believing, then you're not getting it. You're looking at it from man's viewpoint. Notice, as we continue reading, in verse 27. And there it says, it says, Do not labor for the food which is perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? See how lofty and how proud they are, and already they're ready to get. What do we got to do? Go dig a trench, you know? They want to get some work done. They're saying, "What do now? What do I got to do? What do I got to do?" Jesus simplifies things and is very simple. Here it is, In verse 29. Jesus answers and says to them, "This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He sent." See. There's a different kind of belief that Jesus is talking about. It's a biblical belief. We're used to the kind of belief that says existentially, I recognize, yes, that this uh, place we call Set Free exists. Why? Because existentially I can see the walls around me. Existentially I can feel the concrete underneath of my feet. Existentially I can smell the beans cooking. Existentially I can hear George playing music in the kitchen or him preaching from the pulpit. Existentially, all right, is what we're talking about. You can see, feel, touch, taste, set free in this room, and therefore you realize and you believe that this room exists. You believe that set free exists. But guess what? You can't see God. Right. You can't see God. So what, do you, what existential a sensory organ are you going to use to perceive the Holy Spirit? You see, this is what he's telling these people. You didn't see the signs. There are signs that God is providing that tell us that not only does he exist, but that we're here for his purpose. It's huge. He's looking at them and he says, what? Are you hungry? You, you need some more fish? 
Is that what it is? Notice how uh, they respond here. He, Jesus says, I want you, this is the work that you got to do. Believe in him who he sent. Now, that is work. Because why? You're not going to be able to use any of your sensory organs to do this work. You're going to have to do this work in the spirit. This is a spiritual work. And when you start doing this kind of spiritual work, guess what? It grows on you. It does. It grows on you. And not only does it grow on you, you start saying, man, I'm liking this kind of work. And it's very fulfilling. Do you hear what I'm saying? Fulfilling. It's, it's very satisfying. It's very gratifying. And I can gratify myself by the work of believing in Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Because He is the bread. He's the bread that gives everlasting life. He's the bread that sustains us, that keeps us going, that keeps us satisfied. Here's what they say. Therefore, they say to him, verse 30, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? See, they're still thinking existentially. Let me see you do something. Let me see you... Did you remember that when Jesus was uh, 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 led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. By Satan. That what Satan said, do you see these rocks? Can you turn them into bread? Bread? Well, he was test He's saying to Jesus, you, can, you have the power to, put, to tr uh, transfigure anything existentially. You can, you can use this, your powers to do anything that you ever wanted to. To gratify yourself by any means. Fill yourself with bread, make wine. You can do anything you want. So here's the temptation then. The temptation of Satan is that all you think about is what you need in this physical world. You want to stay stuck in the physical world? I don't think so. Not such a great place. It's not such a great place. There's problems. You know, how many of you don't have any problems? All right. There's sin. There's death. Right? It's a rotten land we live in. And a lot of people are screwed up just like these ones. They're only thinking in terms of what they can see, touch, feel, taste, and hear. And how much they can get of it. And if they can get some more. Yeah. All right? And, and because they didn't get enough, they want someone else's. And whatever he got, I want his too and more of it. The bread of life. The bread of life. And that's what Jesus is going to make. That's his point. So they say to him, all right, what's this? show me a sign. Show me a sign. They're not even looking at the sign. They're looking at the miracle itself. See, it, it, Jesus is making an amazing offer here. And so what do they say? They say, well, our, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're still missing the point. What they're do what they're saying is, guess what? <coughs> Moses got the God fed the Israelites every day. <laughs> so are you gonna show us another sign and feed us again? 
because we need to be fed by you every day, just like it was with Moses and the nation of Israel. See how they were thinking? Wow. And they recognized too, and they even quote, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That manna was something else. They said it was kind of sweet, like honey. That looked like, um, uh, anybody ever see coriander seeds? Um, they're kind of like really tiny little, um, like little uh, round pebbles. I guess you kind of might, might have looked a little like bubbles, like that. Kind of white looking with a little honey taste to it. And then what you could do is take the manna and you could grind it up and you fashion it into loaves and you could bake it and you could get bread. A honey loaf. Right? Not bad stuff. They at first but you know what happened to the Israelites they weren't satisfied they got manna and they said when are we ever going to get meat then God gave them meat and guess what gave them so much meat and meat was coming out of their noses and again they were not satisfied do you see in the human flesh the flesh that we have the flesh that we have is never going to be satisfied like that like Christ can satisfy the spirit is never going to be satisfied because that's our sin nature we're always going to want more we're always going to be coveting someone else's now listen this is where it comes watch out because now Jesus is going to give it to him and he's giving it to him with both barrels and here it comes Jesus said to them verse 32 most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you bread from heaven what you contradicting himself but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world then they said to him Lord give us this bread always now see this kind this might remind you see people get selfish you know okay give me yeah I'll take some of that I want it give it now give it now I want it I want it come on now bring it bring it on Man, I can't wait. The woman at the well did the same thing. Do you remember Jesus said, this water is living water. And for, if you drink from this water, you will never get thirsty again. And she, the first thing she said was, I want some. Yeah. Give me. Amen. I want it. Give me some water. I want some water. Like that. But... We, but we still we're still missing the point because because he says this ain't just any kind of bread and that that manna that fell from heaven was to prefigure who Christ really was he was the bread from heaven he was the bread from heaven right in front of them and he says you look you're looking at the bread from heaven. You're looking at everlasting life right here. Everlasting life. So then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. He said, he said wait a minute. I'm telling you, I could give you everlasting life because I am the bread from heaven, and at the same time, you're telling me you haven't seen any signs? You need to see a sign? Something missing here. He go, well, Jesus says, he goes, now, you don't believe, because what you're looking for is another miracle. 
and you're not seeing the sign. In verse 37, he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. See, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You see, some people get the idea that um, um, we get to choose God and when we choose God, that's our choice, that we get everlasting life. You see, that's backwards thinking. Jesus says, those whom the Father gives to me. Those whom the Father gives to me. See, as a, as a believer, as a, a son of God, as a child of God, the only reason you've got that status is because God has given you to Jesus. He's the one that chooses. God chooses you. Amen. So when God chooses you and He puts you in a position, guess what? You've got a responsibility. Some people don't like to look at things like that. That's where Jesus is going with this when he's talking about in verse 33 and 34. He's saying, I'm the blood of the life, and God's the one that sends me down from heaven. And then God is going to give me those whom he chooses. And when he gives you to Jesus, that's it. It's sealed, signed, sealed. There's no reneging. There's no going back. You're a child of God, and, ne and it's never going to change. It's never going to change. It's always going to be that way. In verse 36, he says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Now listen, for if I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, God's perspective is in His purpose, and it's in His will. See, we get to thinking the other way around. My desire is that I want another loaf of bread. My desire is that my hollow leg is empty and it needs to be filled. So we think existentially. Christ is saying it's not like that. God's going to send you to me, and guess what? When He sends you to me, you're going to come to me, and you're going to get filled. You will be filled. There will be satisfaction in your life, guaranteed in Jesus. For I come down from heaven not to do the will of mine, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should rise up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. No matter what happens to you, if you die and you end up in the grave tomorrow, Jesus is still going to raise you up because you have been given to him. Pastor George Banks. If you like the show, just include us in your feed. Subscribe and turn on notifications for updates. Visit us at virtueeffects.com. At virtue, no L, and effect, all one word, dot com.